Well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Welcome to another Bible study tonight. We're excited to have you join us. We're excited to be in the place one more time. Let's pray. God, we honor you. We thank you for this evening and thank you for the word and worship. We ask that you speak to us and through us. We thank you for all of those who are listening and are watching now that they will receive divine truth even as we speak in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, saints, so glad you're here. So let me just jump right in. We've been dealing with this theme for a while, Answers for the Struggle, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Problems. And I want to continue to deal with that. This is lesson number 23 of that series. And uh, tonight I want to deal with 11 lessons from Proverbs 23. 11 lessons from Proverbs 23. That's what we're going to work on tonight. And you know how we do. We're going to read the word and think about what it is God is sharing with us in this place. Go with me to Proverbs 23, beginning at verse 1, particularly verse 1 through 3. I'm reading from the Amplified Version. It says, when you sit down to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what is set before you. For you will put a knife to your throat if you are a man of great appetite. Do not desire his delicacies, for it is deceptive food offered to you with questionable motives. And, and number one, the first lesson that I think this gives to us is this, the devils in the details. The devils in the details. You want to hold that because you need to write that down and get it in your spirit. The devil's in the details. Now why is that so important tonight? Because you have to realize that a lot of times when people are doing for you, giving to you, they are not motivated altruistically, meaning selflessly, out of goodwill, out of benevolence. Many times they're doing it because they want something from you. There are questionable motives for it. They want to see something about you. They want to come looking for something from you. You know, the truth of the matter is, folks that are, are extremely wealthy, and this is, it is a knock on wealth, but not the knock some of you may think, it is to say that a lot of people who gain a lot and who have a lot of money and resources don't simply give it away. They give it away looking for something in return. And so what one has to know is what, what they are investing in me, what are they looking to get from me? What they are putting in me, what are they, what's the exchange rate for what I'm getting? You know, you, you don't want to give away more than what you're receiving in any relationship. So what's the exchange rate of this? 
I tell women all the time, be careful of getting money from people that are interested in you. Notice I said people. Somebody could be interested in you, have nefarious motives, and be careful taking gifts from them. Be careful taking stuff from them. Be careful being around them because if they have a nefarious, wicked, evil intent, they are setting you up to say you owe me. You owe me. Well, no, I don't really owe you nothing. Well, he, he says, be careful because when they have done it, they are looking at you in a way in which they want something from you and by taking what they have given you, you have literally put a knife to your own throat because to not respond after they have poured into you is to now put yourself in a position where they feel like they have the right to penalize you. So always, and I, and I know this, it's, uh, this puts a damper on some stuff because it says you ought to always be skeptical of folks' motives. And I suggest that while that sounds like a downer and it sounds like a damper, it is a truth. Always wonder why until you know a person and you know who they are always wonder what this means someone can ask you a question and you ought to ask yourself that's an odd question what does that mean why are they asking it where are they going two or three steps down the road and i'm i'm always i, I sometimes get get um, a little perturbed by questions that I know are leading because you want to ask a second question. And that bothers me because I wish you'd just go ahead and ask the second question because I really don't know what you're trying to do or elicit from me. So my first answer may not be my real heart. It might be the answer of my skepticism of the way in which you have phrased what you said to me. Because now I'm kind of, okay, I'm the, now what do you, why are you asking me that? or why are you asking it that way? And I, I wanna tell you this, it is healthy to be a little skeptical when folk give you too much. It doesn't mean that you didn't re ever receive it, it doesn't mean that it's not a blessing, it just means that you keep your eyes open, amen? Wondering if there's something else because the devil is in the details. What does this mean? And what do they look for in return for this? I, I tell uh, young people, if somebody wines and dines you and take you out to a steak dinner and they don't spend a couple hundred dollars on you and you, you have been treated well, they didn't do that because they thought you were a pretty girl. They thought that in the end of the night that you take your pretty self over there and give them some, yeah, you know. They, they, were, they, were, they were trying to set up the evening, you know, and if they weren't trying to set up the evening, you got to be wondering what, what else they're trying to set up because they may be, and if you're interested in them and they're interested in you and you're both single, hey, God bless you, amen? It could be a love connection and you could found your mate, but, but you need to recognize what the game is here. If, if, if nothing else, you need to know what game you're playing. Know what game you're playing, because you can end up getting played. Ooh, preach, Watts, I'm feeling it already. Golly!
that was tight. Okay, listen. I gotta go because I got 11 of these to get through, but understand that lesson. Number, number two starts out in, in verse four and runs down through verse eight. So let's read it. Do not weary yourself with overwhelming desire to gain wealth. Cease from your own understanding of it. When you set your eyes on wealth, it is suddenly gone. For wealth certainly makes itself wings like an eagle that flies to the heavens. Do not eat the bread of a selfish man or desire his, del his delicacies. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. In behavior, one who manipulates. He who he says to you, eat and drink. Yet his heart is not with you, but is begrudging the cost. He just told you he didn't drink, now he's upset because it costs him money. The morsel which you have eaten, you will vomit up and you will waste your compliments. Okay, number two, following the devils in the details, you need to understand that you must discipline your desire. Discipline your desire. Now this is an important note here. Because what it suggests, first of all, is that if you're looking for a quick wealth, looking to make a fast buck, looking to dare to be rich, uh, get rich scheme, Ponzi scheme, whatever new uh, pyramid is coming out, he says that desire is going to get you in trouble. You're going to put your eyes on something that's going to be gone. It ain't going to work out. That All those get rich schemes are never going to work out, and you need to know that. He says, then be, by the same token, discipline yourself that you don't desire what somebody else has that's already selfish, already self-centered, already self-serving. They think about me, myself, and I because if you get them and they begin to give you, they are only looking for what they can manipulate from you. And because they're looking to manipulate from you, they're begrudging what it costs to treat you well. So they're not looking at how can I bless you. They're looking at what you're taking from them. And if they don't see a way to make it back from you, then they begrudge what they've done for you. So what you have to do off Jump Street is you discipline your desire so that you're not chasing waterfalls. Your TLC. You're not, you're not running after things that you don't need to have and that you're not getting excited by somebody who wants to manipulate you because your desire is tempered. Your desire is, is disciplined and that people can't just get you with something flashy. They can't get you with a steak dinner. You're, you're more than that. Let me, let, me, let me put it like this. Uh, I think what well, might have been Beyonce and uh, Destiny's Child back in the day when she said, put a ring on it. If you really want it, you put a ring on it so that, so that you, got, you got some other steps to take. Well, the reality is that there are a lot of people that want it, but they want it at the cheapest price available without commitment. And then they, when they give, because they're giving from a motive of self-interest, when they see you prosper, enjoying their food, enjoying their, their, their gifts, 
It doesn't give them joy. Instead, it gives them angst, and they begin to feel begrudging about what it costs them. Now, there are true people in this world, true folk, who get greater joy out of being givers than they do being receivers. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to try and name names or say anybody in particular, but I know people who get a greater smile on their face by putting a smile on somebody else's face than they get by getting something for themselves. Why? Because they really have an altruistic spirit. They really have a spirit of giving, a spirit of service, a spirit of love, a spirit of compassion. I wish everyone had that, but everyone does not. So what you need to recognize is that the average person you come in contact with does not function from a level of altruism and, or does not function from a level that makes them feel better by lifting others up. When you recognize that, then you begin to now, not, not in a mean way, not in a way in which you break off friendships or don't want to be around folk, no, but in a way of walking in wisdom, you recognize, okay, this person here, I want to be around them, I love them, but no, I'm not letting them pay for this dinner today. We're going to share this bill so we both can enjoy it and go home. I'm not going to let you pay that whole bill because if you pay that whole bill, what you just ate won't feel good to you. And I won't feel good because you don't feel good. And I almost feel like throwing up, regurgitating that which I had because now the meal is ruined because you don't feel good because you paid for something you didn't ever intend to pay for. No, let's just go fitty-fitty. Split this right down the middle so you feel good. I feel good about what I just ate. I don't have to feel bad that I ordered something on the menu that you might have thought was too expensive. No, I, I paid for that. Ain't no big deal. I wanted that. You didn't say you wanted that. No, my, my wife wanted that. Eat it. Matter of fact, I'll probably pay for the whole thing. What you got to realize is not everyone thinks that way. So you need to recognize that and don't be so naive. Don't be so naive to let keep people keep pouring out thinking that it doesn't affect them. Because if that's not their true heart, they may pour out because they have it but, and then feel bad afterwards. They lose their blessing twice over. They lose the blessing that they had when they were enjoying your company and then they lose the blessing that they would have had as a giver and now they lose again because now they're angry or at the very least perturbed over something they shouldn't be upset about. So there's no blessing for them at all. And the blessing you got is now made almost to come up and turn over in your stomach. And nothing you can say to them, no compliment you can say will work. It's wasted because they're, they're twisted because of their attitude, their heart. And now, let me just say this. Everybody has their own personality, which means it's not a bad thing that someone who may be um, single 
or who may be married and on a tight budget thinks about every dime they spend. That's not always, that's not a bad thing. So don't think think less of them or bad of them. What you want to do is to live a life that, that takes into account the fullness of life and the fact that everybody is working through life the way they work through it. But being conscious of that is important. All right, I gotta move on. Number three comes in verse nine. And he simply says, do not speak in the ears of a fool, for he will despise the godly wisdom of your words. So, number three is this, discrimination of directions. Discrimination of directions. This is an important one. You cannot talk to everyone the same way. You cannot, you cannot um, give everybody a piece of advice. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? Now, those who are close to me in, in, in this church, and, and many of you are, um, will tell you, I'm constantly saying, what do you think? And I literally mean, what do you think? And I don't mind if you're, what you're thinking is not my thinking. Why is that? Because I want to hear. I want to hear the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is, because I want to gain wisdom. Maybe you've thought about it a different way. I may still have my same thought after you give me your wisdom, so don't get offended by that, but I'm at least going to hear you to pick out what may, may be the voice of God through you. Unfortunately, everybody's not like that. Some people get mad. I, I'm, I, my own children sometimes say, uh, I know already, I, I know I know what you're gonna say, I know what you're gonna say. Well, you don't know what I'm gonna say. You think you know what I'm gonna say based on stuff you've heard me say in the past, but you don't know what I'm gonna say about this, but I can tell you this much, you won't know what I was gonna say because I don't talk to people that don't wanna hear what I'm gonna say. So when you come back, after whatever happens happen, I'll still be here to offer my sageful advice of the many years God has allowed me and decades God has allowed me to be on this planet. Now, if you go out and get in a mess, I'm gonna do my best to help you out. It may not be the help you want, especially if I know if you had listened to me, we wouldn't have to be going through this. So I may have to let you squirm for a while. You don't get me. Listen, here's what, here's what Jesus picks up on that. In Matthew chapter seven, verse six, Jesus says, do not give what is holy to the dogs nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. I I know it's not a direct correlation, but it's close enough for what I want to say. In other words, be careful who you give wisdom to. Because a fool gonna be a fool, ain't nothing gonna do to make him less a fool. You've got to recognize that some people don't want, they don't want the wisdom. They don't want you to tell them what's right and what's wrong. They don't want to hear anything, and that's okay. 
you, you got to know that they're, that they're there and they just, hey, I can't, I can't help it. They don't, they don't get it. They don't get it. And if you, you look, if you want to do your own thing and you don't want my help, I bid you Godspeed. Go in peace. Now, if your life come to pieces, I hope it's not so many that I can't help you put it back together again. But I sure ain't gonna waste no time. Okay, that's, 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 <laughs> somebody just got mad. Don't worry, you'll get over it. Number four comes out of verse 10. This is an interesting one. Number four says, do not move the ancient landmark at the boundary of the property and do not go into the fields of the fatherless to take what is theirs. Verse 11, for their redeemer is strong and mighty. He will plead their case against you. So number four is simply this, demonstrate decency. Demonstrate decency. You know, some people need to recognize that, that you don't want to be mean to anybody. And just because you can take advantage doesn't mean you should. You go into the, to the field of a, of a widow, what it, what it actually relates to is you, you go in there, you mess with somebody's property, you mess with their property line, you take something from them, and you get away with it. He says, oh, you may get away with it on earth, but heaven sees and the Redeemer, who is God, is strong. And the Redeemer will come and plead the cause against you. you, you, you the moving of an ancient landmark talks about boundaries. And, and I've been seeing a lot of, uh, I've watched a lot of Hallmark, and there have been several movies here lately on the Hallmark Channel about people who will uh, go and, and be arguing over boundary lines and where the boundary, my property starts here and your property starts here. Somebody moved the fence post over here or a creek dried up that used to be here and we got to find where it is. You need to understand something. The key thing you need to recognize is you do not want to gain anything by trickery. You don't want to steal anything that somebody else has. You don't want it. If it ain't yours, you don't want it. I'd rather be, be without than to have something that belongs to somebody else that they need. No, uh-uh, no. They're, they're, let me put it like this. There is no blessing in taking what belongs to someone else. There's no blessing in it. The only thing you can do is come to ruin as a result of it. There's no blessing if you take something from someone else. Okay. Number five. We're at number five. And it begins at verse 12. Verse 12 through verse 14. Here's what it says. Each verse says, apply your heart to discipline. Grab that word discipline. We, we want to hold discipline here. Says, apply your heart to discipline and your ears to the words of knowledge. Do not withhold discipline from the child. If you swat him or her 
with a reed like rod, applied with godly wisdom, he will not die. This is, this is saying, as long as you don't abuse them, if you, if you give them a little brush against the, the derriere, it ain't gonna kill them. He said, in doing so, you shall swat him with a reed like rod and rescue his life from Sheol, the netherworld, the place of the dead. So number five is simply this, discipline descendants. Discipline descendants. Now that's an important note to make. You know, I know some people, you know, they don't, they, they don't believe in corporal punishment and I don't believe in corporal abuse. Um, and let me be honest, what my mama did back in the day, probably if DCF had been around the way they are now, she'd have been in a lot of trouble. But I also have to say, if my mama didn't do what she did in the day, I probably wouldn't be here. And I, I don't mean that simply as here as at Shiloh. I don't know that I'm even alive. Because I grew up in, my, my family and I in the early days, we grew up in the projects. I'm not talking about in close housing. I'm talking about the projects. And, and, and the, during the time that we were growing up, remember now, this is uh, a lot of people are finding themselves. Vietnam is going on. There's people coming back from the military who are, are, are strung out. There's drugs rampant in the streets of, of every major city. Uh, the drug problem we have now is, is, is actually, I think, uh, probably smaller than it was at that time. It was, it was beyond belief what, what went on then. And some today is still beyond belief for my, my own taking. The gang violence, which we see in many of our cities, was everywhere. A lot of people were in gangs or trying to get you to join a gang. If you lived on this street, you need to be in that gang. Or there were families that were really strong and they were ready to fight and go out. Man, it was something. And if she hadn't brought me back into, into a right thinking, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. That's, that's where it was. I don't know where I would be. Now, I don't say that in terms of what I've seen here lately about some of these parents beating their children to, to death and corporal punishment like crazy and no sense in the, at all. Uh, no, I'm not talking about that. that that's, that's not this. That's not what the Bible is speaking of. The Bible is talking about a tap on the rear end and saying, no, we don't do that. A tap on the hand saying, no, don't touch that, hot. You know, that's the Bible talking about. So you talking about, dog, the pretty, pretty baby, you know, no, don't do that, boo-boo, don't do that, don't touch that stuff, don't do that. And then all of a sudden they got five burnt fingers. Cause you talking about, don't do that, boo-boo, when if you simply popped a little bit on the hand there, they caught hold of it and said, oh, 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 I'm gonna get in trouble if I do that. You've got to make sure that we bring people, and, and I ought to say this, it doesn't stop there. It's throughout life. You know, we still have to keep bringing ourselves 
bringing our loved ones under subjection. We got to keep saying, no, that, that doesn't work. No, we're going we're gonna to do something different. That, that, that's not it. That's not it. So there's still a level of rebuke, a level that says, okay, this is okay, and that's not okay. And when you don't do that, when you don't do that, people grow up with this idea that, that they are entitled. And, the, and entitled people make me nervous. Matter of fact, they don't just make me nervous, they make me sick. Because they think they deserve, I deserve this. This is my house, this is my room. Wait a minute now, you're not paying rent. This is my food, wait a minute now. Not only did you not cook, but you didn't pay for it. No, you in our house that we pay for, and the food you eating is the food we pay for. You, the only entitlement you have is what is bestowed upon you by your relationship to us. Cancel us, cancel the entitlement. Am I preaching tonight? Woo! So when the, when you, you can't allow your, these young folk to go out here and act like they're running things. That do, no! Okay. Ephesians 6 and 4 gives a little more clarity, and I think I like the way it puts it. It just simply says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and in the admonition of the Lord. In other words, we should not simply be, be out there creating problems. We shouldn't simply be trying to provoke them to get mad. No. What we should be doing is to try to bring them up in the good doctrine and nurture of the Lord. Amen? All right. Number six comes in verse 16 and 17, 15 and 16. And it is simply this. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart will also be glad. Yes, my heart will rejoice when your lips speak right things. And, and number six is this. Discernment is delightful. Discernment is delightful. And that just simply means that when I see my, uh, and let me just use my, my family, my children, when I see them getting it, oh, you figured that out, you made wise choices, it's the greatest joy to my heart. You, you want to make this, uh, some of you who are blessed to still have your parents alive, you want to make your mother and father happy, you want to make them be delighted, do right, live right, try to be godly, and that gives them the greatest joy of the world. I don't care what gift or present you bring, if it's dirty and it comes from a wicked place and you know you've been doing the wrong thing, it doesn't make up for just doing right. Just doing the right thing. You, you, you give joy to those that, that birthed you by just learning to live with the discernment of right and wrong. You become a delight to those who have invested in you. Number seven. Number seven 
comes from verse 17 down to verse 19. This is an important one. Do not let your heart envy sinners. Full stop. I want to just say it again. Do not let your heart envy sinners who live godless lives and have no hope of salvation. But continue to live in the reverent, worshipful fear of the Lord day by day. Surely there's a future and a reward and your hope and expectation will not be cut off. Listen, my son, listen, my daughter, and be wise and direct your heart in the way of the Lord. Number seven is divine devotion. Divine devotion. Look, it's easy to see some people prospering and want to have what they have, want to do what they do, go where they go. But it is better to stake your claim and stake your hope in the Lord. It is better to put yourself in a position where God can be pleased with you. Because if your heart is directed in divine devotion towards God, God is going to bless you in ways that you will see that other individual, their hope being cut off. You can't do wrong but so long before you, you're going to have to pay. Sooner or later, you're going to pay. Sooner or later, you're going to, you're going to feel the, the, the ramifications of what you've done. You're going to feel uh, a, a sense of, mm, you're going to feel a sense of, I messed up. It's going to happen. But when you direct yourself in a divine devotional way, God's going to open up doors. God's going to make ways. God's going to give you great peace. God's going to give you great joy. God's going to give you great happiness. And let me tell you something. You can be happy with little or with much. You know, it, you, one of the things people figured out during the pandemic is you don't have to have a lot to be happy. You can get a few things and be happy. Oh, man, joy and peace and happiness. And you can, hey, I would rather be joyous with little than to be miserable with much. Now, number eight is going to be a two-parter because it comes back again with number 11. And just so you know, the text does this. And Proverbs enters into this conversation that I need to have with you tonight. Proverbs enters into this conversation. So number eight begins at verse 20 and 21. Do not associate with heavy drinkers of wine or with gluttonous eaters of meat. For heavy drinkers and glutton will come to poverty. And the drowsiness of overindulgence will clothe one with rags. Number eight is dangerous drunkenness. Dangerous drunkenness. You got to be careful. 
You can't be drinking that, that yank yet. You can't be going in there and getting that Boone's Farm strawberry wine. You can't get that white lightning and think you're going to be able to handle it. Now, this part here talks about association. You know, association leads to assimilation. So this part says, don't even associate with heavy drinkers. You know, ain't nothing worse. I don't know if you ever had it happen, but I've been around people who have overindulged, and ain't nothing worse than a drunkard. I mean, I've seen some sloppy, I gotta keep the P word out of my mind, uh, drunkards. But the P word relates to urination. So you just, just nasty. And ain't nothing worse than a woman drunkard. Golly. Here you are, you associating with them, and now y'all both in the bathroom, you trying to hold her hair back so she can regurgitate. She holding on to a toilet bowl that she didn't even want to sit on because you done overindulge. You be careful of overdoing anything. That includes food, it includes drunkenness, it includes, don't overdo anything. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it because it's just the truth. You notice the Bible does not say do not drink. It simply says be careful of those heavy drinkers. Now why is that different than what we see today? Because in that day, medicinally and practically, the drinking of wine was a normative for them. So the scripture would not ever say you cannot drink wine. And when it does say so, it says so in relation to the vow of the Nazarene. And it says so in the vow that leaders should make to be careful never to overindulge by not indulging at all. So this text relates first and foremost to abuse. Now, I'm not trying to give anybody license to go out here and get you a drop. Now, don't, don't say I said you can go get you, because see, some of y'all be ready to go run and get a hot toddy right now. The bishop said, Pastor Cavassier, don't you think about it, Pastor Cavassier? No, he didn't. You lying, you lying saint of God. That ain't what I said. I'm just telling you what the scripture actually says. So what he says is, you need to make sure that you don't get in the company of people that are so aggressively indulgent that they will end up taking you down with them. Now, now what, I, what do I mean? I'm not just talking about that, that lady who has her head in the bowl. I'm talking about that man who drinks and gets mean. And now all of a sudden you in the club with, with, with your buddy and now he done punched somebody and everybody done going into a fight and now he looking for you to back him up. Now I, I'm not even gonna be in the club with you so you ain't got work there. If you looking for backup, it ain't gonna be me because I'm gonna be back up at the house. That's where your backup gonna be, back up at the house. No, you gotta be careful, people that fool around 
and, and, and in overly indulge are dangerous. They're dangerous. You can't remember what you did. You can't remember what happened. You can't remember who did it with you. You can't, you, you can't remember how you got the way you are. You'll forget that you got in a fight. You'll forget what happened in the fight and even won't even know how you got the scars you wear because alcohol, liquor, any kind of inebriating in substance takes you from your normal personality, from who you are, and it transforms you into what you don't want to be. I'm preaching now. I'm going to come back to that at number 11, but I'm running out of time. Number nine, he gives us this. He says, beginning of verse 22, he says, listen to your father who sired you and do not despise your mama when she is old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Get wisdom and instruction and understanding. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. And he who sires a wise child will have joy in him. Let your father and your mama be glad. And let her who gave birth to you rejoice in your wise and godly choices. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. He says, look, the, this number, number nine is the descendants' delight. Descendants' delight. You rise bond that you can't reason with a drunk. And reason went out the way after the pastor from last drink. Listen, descendants' delight. I want to say this again. He wants to remind us that the more children, and, and some of you are adult children, the more you walk in the way of truth and the way of God, the more you lean on divine instruction, the more you make those who have had a part in your entering into the world or had a part in your development in the world as your surrogate mother, surrogate father, who's had a part of being with you, the more delight you give them. You want, I, again, you want to make somebody happy? You want to, oh my God. Can I say it one more time? Live right. Live right. Live right. Live right. Let me know I'm going to see you again. Okay, number 10. And I'm going to get done on time. Watch this. Number 10 begins at verse 27 and verse 28. For a prostitute is a deep pit and an immoral woman is a narrow well she lurks and lies in wait like a robber who waits for, uh, for prey and she increases the faithless among men let me tell you something there are male prostitutes and female prostitutes and just because this scripture makes it up about a woman, there are men that are out here hooking just as much as women. And they're doing it all over the spectrum. So don't you believe that this is a text just about women. This is a text about those that are selling their intimacy to the highest bidder. And what he's telling anybody who is in a position to buy the intimacy that's being sold. 
He's saying, number 10, this is a deep deception. Deep deception. Number 10. Oh, this is getting gooder and gooder. What do you mean, Reverend? I mean that if you fool around here and allow some loose man, loose woman to bring you in and to get you into their lair, you need to recognize that what they will take from you and what they rip out of you, the message Bible says, is worse than a pack of thieves. They're going to steal from you. They're going to sap from you. So you understand. Let me say it again. Ladies, be careful because there's some men that are gigolos. They don't want a relationship. They want a scorecard. And you just become another number, another notch on their belt. You just on the scorecard. You need to recognize, brother, there are some sisters who will simply take you as another notch on their belt and they will eat you alive. They will eat you alive. I mean that metaphorically and spiritually. You, it will eat you alive. You can't take, the Bible says, fire into your bosom and think you won't get burned. The Ohio player said, fire, boom, 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 be careful. That's right. Be careful. Yes, it. Predators come in all genders and, and they come with all kinds of tenders. They, they swipe left, swipe right. Yeah, they got there. They there. And whatever, you, whatever your delight is, there'll be somebody to be there with you. You got to know it's deep deception because you never will get what you need as long as you're getting it in a place that is not of God. You may think you're getting your need met, but what you're really doing is setting yourself up for trouble later. I, please excuse me, and I, I hate to even mention the young man's name. Young man, and I'm not going to call his name because I said it a week or two ago. Young man went got a massage with a happy ending several times. He thought he's just paying. Well, that, that happy ending, that massage, just the other day they said that those happy endings which he paid for at the time services were rendered, he now will pay for it with the next 12 games, losing the game check, and will pay for it with another five or six Million dollars. Million. 
me tell you something. It's a pay to play. So if you playing with that, don't forget, you playing with fire. Boom, boom, boom. But okay. I'm sorry. Deep deception. <laughs> I'm out of here. I got one last one. I got to go. I got to go. Got to go. Okay, listen. Number 11, he comes back to this drinking thing. So, number 11 is verse 29 down to the end of the chapter. So, I'm going to read it real quick and I'm going to give you number 11. I'm going to get out of here. He says, he says, verse 29, this chapter 23, somebody just joining me. He says, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has strife? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has eyes that are red and dim? Y'all remember getting the visine to get the red out back in your, I'm sorry. No, no, nobody listened to me, just people that you knew about. Those who linger long over wine, yeah. Spill the wine, never mind. Those who go to taste, the, 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 taste mixed wine, do not look at wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the glass, when it goes down smoothly. At the last, it'll bite you like a serpent and sting like a viper. Woo. Your drunken eyes will see strange things. Uh, people, my, I, I do better on shrooms. And, uh, yeah, okay. Your drunken eyes will see strange things and your mind will utter perverse things, untrue things, twisted things, and you will be as unsteady as one who lies down in the middle of the sea. And as vulnerable to disaster as one who lies down on the top of a ship's mast saying, they struck me, but I was not hurt. They beat me, but I did not feel it. When will I wake up? I, when I will wake up, I will seek, what? More wine? You idiot. Number 11 is this, drunken doom, drunken doom. Look, you be careful, you be careful, because what will happen in your life with alcohol, with inebriation, will cause you to not remember. It'll cause you to see twisted things and do twisted things and be twisted. One of the reasons of the temperance movement which, which uh, swept through America and through the land was to tell people not to drink um, alcohol at all. One of the reasons why Welch created Welch's grape juice, which became the communion wine ultimately for many churches was so that they did not have to preserve, preserve or use fermented wine. You need to realize that most people can't handle liquor. Most people. Now I know some stone cold blooded drinkers who it would take a lot to get them drunk. But 99.9999999% of folk can't handle the rot gut. So guess what? 
leave that ignorant oil alone. Why do you call it ignorant oil? Because most people, when they drink it, act ignorant. And I figure like this, I'm already working at a deficit. I don't want to add to it. This is the word of God for the people of God, and I will come back and finish teaching more on whether or not you can drink as a Christian on the next go-round. Guess what? God loves you, and so do I. This has been a good one, y'all. I hope you enjoyed Bible study tonight. I've had a great time teaching it, and I hope you've had a great time listening to it. This has been a wonderful time to be here in the presence of the Lord, and I pray God blesses you mightily. Let me get out of here as quick as I can. First, by extending to you an invitation. If you want to become a part of this wonderful ministry, fast-growing, electrifying, moving, trusting in God to do great things, call us here, 860-443-6046, extension 110, or email us at church in admin, admin, I should say, at shilohnlcomplex.org. I want you to join us. Please come be a part of the ministry. If you're here tonight and you wish to give, please give in the benevolent offering. I want you to give, not because you're being forced to give, not because I'm twisting your arm, not because I'm making you, but because you love God and you love people because the Lord loves a cheerful, hilarious, happy giver. And you want to be a happy giver. You can give by Givelify, Cash App, or by mail. And let me just tell you this. If you give it, guess what? We're going to give it away. And just like we do every week, we bless somebody. We just try to be a partner with God. As God reveals things to us, we try to jump on it and be a partner with God to bless people. Want to thank you again. Join us Sunday morning as we celebrate the Gospel Chorus 65th anniversary. It's going to be a great time. Please be here. Let's have a wonderful time. Want to tell you, preschool is still accepting applications. If you know somebody who needs to get child care between the ages of three and four, we'd love to hear from you. So get the word out. Tell Lottie Dottie and everybody to be here. Amen. God bless you. Let me give you one more quick announcement before I make my last appeal for prayer, and that is this. Let me just tell you, tomorrow night, 6 p.m., in the sanctuary, in person, we're going to have a catch-up meeting. We're going to talk about how we have fared over the last couple of years during the pandemic and what God has done for us and celebrate the blessings of the Lord. So join us for the catch-up meeting tomorrow, 6 p.m. in the sanctuary. The deacons, the trustees, and finance committee will give you a report as to what's been going on and how the Lord has blessed us. Amen. As I close tonight, I'm going to ask you to continue to be in prayer for all of our sick and shut-in, for Michael Watts, for Deacon Wiggins and the entire Wiggins family, Mother Phyllis in particular, I want you to also be in prayer for Deaconess Mae Wilson, who is recovering, and Deacon Earl Wilson, who had to go to the hospital this week, on this past weekend Sunday. He ended up getting sick on that Monday morning, and so please keep Deacon Earl in your prayers now. He is in the hospital. Deacon Daniels, 
Dennis Jenkins, Alicia Jenkins, Vernon Mitchell, Angel Carey, and our dear sister Lorraine Thomas and Brother Malloy Perkins. God bless you. I love all of you with the love of the Lord. You will not change my mind. I'm praying for those who are in need of prayer, and I invite you to join me tomorrow, 1 p.m., for community prayer. We're going to be online, and we're going to talk to our Heavenly Father, and we're going to tell Jesus all about it. So join me at 1 o'clock tomorrow for community prayer. Well, God bless you. This has been another one here at Shiloh. I love you all. I'm your bishop. I'm your friend. And I care deeply about you. And you know what I say. Shalom. <laughs>